Hello, I'd like to welcome everyone to We Go Again podcast. It is Kristen Smith. It's the 30th, we're recording this on the 30th of July, and it's been a lovely day up here in Gainesville this week. And here in Bartree, Smith James Bartree, it's been a lovely day here um, in quarantine. Yes, uh, it's not, I was going to say eagle eyed listeners, which would be a bit wrong because you're not actually watching us, so. But uh, people may have uh, heard that um, our usual introduction hasn't come through. It's because uh, Rob, unfortunately, is having a few technical difficulties, and so uh, we're not able to uh, record with him tonight. So it's just me and James. Um, yeah, quarantine. Um, I haven't put any Champions League stories in anything tonight, but what you're suffering is potentially potentially a big problem for the Champions League next month because you came back from Barcelona and now you're at home for two weeks. Yeah, so it's um, I mean, it, it's extremely annoying. So I went on, uh, we flew on Friday last week, um, went out Friday to Tuesday, it was amazing, we had a great time, um, quieter than normal, uh, the city of Barcelona, but it was, you know, it was still still fairly busy although not all the shops and all the restaurants and that were open and they were shutting earlier than they would normally um but as a as a key worker as a transport worker I've, I've i've worked the whole thing and then i'm in spain for one day and i'm now in quarantine for two weeks it's ridiculous uh, i'm so so annoyed with it um but yeah as you say it could have implications on um on champs league um it's but it's, it's highly unlikely, I think, because it's taking place in Lisbon, isn't it? So it, it probably won't, won't affect. I don't think Portugal have been hit that bad, but it's it's whether the Barcelona team Portugal are, are on the no-fly list for the UK. Are they? Yeah, they, they I, never came I, off it. They were very disappointed uh, because the Algarve obviously makes a lot of money out of UK citizens uh, and they weren't able to be on it. Ah, fair enough. I didn't realise that. I thought the uh, I didn't realise it had it quite so bad. Um, I mean, we're we're assuming that Barcelona are going to get through their tie with Napoli, which isn't a given uh, the way that we're playing at the end of the season. But um, yeah, it could have it could have implications. They've just put on uh, obviously this isn't going to apply, but they they've just um, Scotland have imposed quarantine from Luxembourg, haven't they as well? So. If countries keep getting added to the list, it only uh, you know if t- you know g- countries like Germany and Belgium and France start getting added, uh, then then yeah, it could it could throw next uh, next month's little tournament into uh, into disarray. So we'll have to uh, we'll have to see what happens. I mean, at the end of the day, everybody's finished their league season. Does the Champions League really matter that much? Do you? Does it, I suppose for for advertising and contracts and TV deals, it does, but. Just bin it off and just start again. Just add a year to the to all the deals and just have done with it. Just well, this is the thing because I've heard rumours that basically any of the English teams who are still in the European competitions are going to be allowed to postpone their first few games at the start of the new season because the start of the new season in the England in the Premier League is the twelfth of September. Yeah, I think that's what the EFL are aiming for as well. Um, but I've noticed that the chat, the National League are going to start on the 3rd of October and run through to June, which is going wow. to mess up all of the contracted... Well, they're going to run through till the 29th of May, so scraping in that last day before the... You know, the last couple of days before the contracts end, and then they're going to throw the playoffs into June, subject to the FA approval, which is um, going to be interesting, because... 
normally in June, that's when the players go on holiday in July, they start looking for new clubs. Yeah, I mean, we we said very early on in this when well when football got cancelled um, that it was it was going to have depend on how long the lockdown took it was going to have ramifications for for the next couple of seasons, didn't we? Because obviously with you know with the Qatar World Cup in December as it is, it, it was not only going to impact this season but next season and potentially the season after as well. So. Obviously, you know, uh, non-league doesn't really affect the, the World Cup so much, but it, it's going to have an impact. And especially, you know, if we do get uh, these second spikes that we're, we're supposedly due to do. I mean, a uh, bit, of, bit of inside info um, that, I, that I've had, which is unofficial, but the fear is that there are going to be spikes in August and October, or, you know, by October at the latest anyway. So that could put pay to... To season starting as it is, um, so we'll just we'll have to see how it goes. But yeah, going into June, that's that. As I said, that is going to impact the next season as well, isn't it? That's going to have to start later as well. Um, it's, it, it, does that mean they're still having all the county cups and the trophy and the bars and all that? Then I assume. And and does that mean the the FA Cup starting at the extra preliminary round? Is that all still going ahead as it as planned or as usual? I don't know. It, it doesn't really say, but I think with with regard to the county cups and stuff, I know for next season there's been some county FAs have already said that they're not going to go um, for any county cups, um, so they're not they're not worried have, by but, that. But you have to enter that to be eligible for the FA Cup. Um, I don't know whether they've got a special dispensation or or what, but I know I can't remember which one it is off the top of my head. But I know there is at least one where they're basically saying that. It's going to be that they're able to uh, not enter it, unless the um, I don't know unless unless they come up with a compensation where they don't they don't enter the FA Cup this season, but they get they get reimbursed, you know, or they get remunerated. I don't know. I don't know how that would work because obviously clubs get to the to the first round, don't they? And make a, make a good few tens of thousands of pounds, so. I don't know how they would how they would even go about doing that. Um, but if the FA came to you and said, "Here's a guaranteed twenty-five grand, or you take your chances of earning one hundred and fifty grand, but you might only earn three grand," so you know which do you take? I guess. But um, yeah, he's got. It's, I mean, it's an administrative nightmare, isn't it? I don't. I don't envy them for doing it. I mean, the Premier League and the Football League are they're just easy to do because you've got the um, the FA Cup, the League Cup, which I don't think anybody would miss if they can that for a season, and you've got that EFL Trophy thing, which again I don't think anyone would really care if it if it was binned for a season. Um, but yeah, down in non leagues and stuff, the the FA Cup and the the County Cups are, are vital avenues for silverware and, and revenue. So it will be interesting to see what does transpire. Um, I don't know when that's all going to be finalised. I guess they're not in any massive rush if they're not looking to start till October. Um, but yeah, well, the FA are, I guess, for the FA Cup, aren't they? <laughs> but I, I can't, I can't see how they can run the FA Cup as because, well, I don't know. I mean, if if clubs aren't having to finalise squads till October, then they can't play the FA Cup earlier than that, can they? I, I was thinking then for a second that they could maybe do all the early rounds of the FA Cup while there are no leaks going. Um, I suppose that could be a possibility, maybe. 
I don't know. It's, it's not one that I would like to be in the situation where I've got to deal with everything. So uh, well, from no, that perspective... Yeah, because that would be the thing as well, wouldn't it? If you go out in the extra preliminary round, you've then not got games for six weeks. So, yeah, it, I don't, I can't, it doesn't really... Yeah, it doesn't really solve anything, that, does it? No, not not particularly. And I say, the, the, the thing for me is that... I think they're trying to give... This is only the National League we're talking about. I haven't seen any of the lower tiers yet. Um, but actually, does according to the BBC website, teams in the sixth tier will start their season with a tie in the, sepa- uh, the FA Cup second qualifying round. So, yeah, this is going to be... The, six, the sixth tier of non-league? Yeah. So, the... I'm trying to get my head around that. Now, that's the Northern Premier League in that then, isn't it? Yeah, so it's going to be uh, Trinity's sort of level. Yeah. Uh, going through it's ah, yeah yeah I mean that, that's the thing that you've got to you've got to give them all the opportunity to enter that competition because as I say you do get clubs like that getting through to even if they don't get through to the first round they get through to the where the National League teams come in is it the third qualifying round I think isn't it so even getting through to that if you if, you know judging some of the clubs that are in the North South and National League itself you know there are there are huge clubs in there, aren't there, for for clubs to get? Yeah, it's, it's very very big um, crowds that they could get, and it's a nice little welcome boost if you get the right uh, away game. Um, if you go some like Stockport or York, um, I'm trying yeah. to think. Yeah, Stockport, York. York. Um, who who've gone down from League Two this time? Stevenage, so Stevenage, I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't expect too many from Stevenage. Big, 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 no, but a big name in non-league in non-league circles, though. Even though they've been out of it for for a good few years, but there, are, you know, it's, yeah, you've got to give teams at that sort of chance, haven't you? But like I said, then if you if you do turn around and say, look, we're starting at the first round proper, or at, I don't know, whatever round we're starting at, but we guarantee we'll give you a guaranteed twenty five grand. Do you do you take that when it's actual money? It's like deal or no deal, isn't it? You know, you can either have this set amount in your bank today guaranteed, or you can play on and try and win the big books, which you're not guaranteed to do. So I, I, don't, I don't really know how they're going to go about it. I'm surprised that we haven't really seen anything yet. Yeah, I've not seen anything other than this uh, part I saw on the BBC. Um, but that does lead me into a, a thing that basically I think the reason the National League are trying to start so late is that they want to be able to have fans coming back into the ground because yeah. that's really what's going to do them um, but let's just all go to uh, Northern Ireland because they've got 500 fans are going to go to Windsor Park to see the Irish Cup final Ah, very good I didn't, I didn't know that. I know they've done it in France um, they've just had yeah, France. Two. France was a mockery because um, they've just had their their cup final and Ronaldo was there. Which, yeah, that's that's central travel. What Chris, Cristiano or the proper Chris, Cristiano uh, was there. Wow, I didn't. I, I've, they, I, I've been I've totally out of the loop. I didn't see a second of the final seat final weekend because you know in Barcelona. Um, but I know there were five thousand fans, weren't there, at the um, at the French. Whichever cup final it was, I know they've got them both to play, haven't they? The, uh, was it the League Cup final or the FA Cup final? Um, I, I, I don't actually know. Don't actually know. I, know. I know they've got to play them both, and I know PSG are in them both. So, um, but yeah, five thousand fans—that's that's pretty good. Um, who's in the uh, Who's in the in the final? 
in Northern Ireland because I'm guessing 500 in Windsor Park. <laughs> that's it's going to Ballymena. Ballymena United are going to meet Glen Torren. Okay, um, it's yeah, and actually, actually, it's taking place tomorrow or today, as we uh, today as this is released, it's going to take right. place, okay. and they're going to have five hundred people in there. They're going to have temperature checks on entry, which means absolutely nothing because you could, you don't necessarily have a temperature, um, or you could just be hot because today it's been twenty seven degrees here, so it's been quite nice and warm. Um, but they look, they're looking to start. The summer fan attendance, are, according to the Guardian article, is that the target date in England is going to be the 1st of October to start having a smaller number of fans um, for them, which probably would explain the 3rd of October being the start date for the National League and potentially the other non-league to ensure that they can have some fans coming in, getting some money behind the uh, money behind the gate receipts. Yeah, absolutely. It's... It makes sense. It's yeah. It's the uh, it's the right thing to do. Uh, obviously, then if if things change and they can't get fans in, then it will probably can't can't the old just wear masks though. Well, yeah. I mean, if it's good enough for, for the trains and the buses, then surely and the shops um, and the, yeah, then surely it's good enough for a football stadium. It's just a case of it wouldn't. I don't know if it'd be that easy to police or you know if if. Alcohol's involved with football fans, and you go, you know, a, a, just a steward goes, a, a volunteer steward just says, Can you put your mask on, mate? And they, you know, then get a, a barrage of abuse. And so I suppose a, a, a mass crowd like that, it wouldn't be um, it wouldn't be that easy to police, I guess. Um, but I can't see us being in a position where we're not having to not wear a mask in October. That's That's what gets me. I mean, the regulations for shops are in place for the next 12 months, reviewed every month. Yeah, yeah. So, like I said, I, just, I can't see if this, if they, as you say, if they're in place for the for the shops, and they're going to be in place for stadiums, surely. Well, this is the thing. Windsor Park has a capacity of 18,500, but only... You those 500 fans there. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you could give them a stand each, virtually. <laughs> yeah, and and that's that's the thing. It's going to be well. There'll be no atmosphere. No, it's it's going to be it's a pointless thing to allow five hundred in because all they're going to be able to do is sell those tickets for a, a lot of money, um, which I suppose is all they're looking at. How much money they can try and get through uh, from people attending, but uh, yeah, eighteen and a half thousand and only five hundred fans. So you've got eighteen thousand seats which are not going to be taken by the public. Probably half of them are going to be take... Um, half, half of these are probably going to be taken over by uh, the officials and the FA and all of the other guests and all the other crap that they have because I'm going to be interested to see the cup final at the weekend, how many people are going to Wembley. Despite having a zero crowd, I'm pretty certain it's probably going to be three or 400 people in that stadium. What, just for uh, staff and, and things like that? Or do you mean actual supporters? Well, the, the, it's the, the, the staff and the people who suddenly become staff for the day and the other oh, dodgy little things yeah. that go on. Yeah, all these volunteers. Yeah. 
so I see it. But to me, it's a step in the right direction, getting some fans back in. It's going to be uh, because it's going to be the first time in the UK that anybody are allowed inside a stadium. So it's going to be interesting. Um, interesting that it's the Irish Cup final as well being held in the UK. But uh, uh, it's always a political hotbed over there as to what goes on and the way that it works almost as crazy as calling calling the golden boot is now called the golden shoe and I don't understand why because they're football boots nobody calls them football shoes (laughs) I I think it has been for a little a little while if I'm not mistaken but yeah it is a stupid name for it um and I didn't even really Messi won it again, did he? No, no, he didn't. See, that's a, this article. I think I've I, the one I've posted tonight. That's from he's not actually won it. Ah, oh, that's twenty nineteen twenty. That was last season. And ah. no, it's really really poorly written. He's out to retain the ah, accolade. Yes, yes, How yes, can yes. he? It's very poorly written because it's like clickbait because he's only fifth. But I don't understand why he can be fifth, yet Erling Haaland, who scored more league goals in the same number of games, is sixth. Um, or am I just looking at the rundown that goal have done? It's um, they, they do it on a points basis, don't they? So if you if you play in a harder league, your goals are worth more. So in the because don't forget, a lot of Haaland's goals were in Austria for Salzburg so they would have only been maybe not even worth a point a goal it's because it's, I suppose it's just if, if a player scored 75 goals in the Israeli Premier League then he can't really win the golden shoot but that's probably a bad one um, if so we'll use League 2 if a player scores no that's probably a bad idea because it's probably just top flight games isn't it <laughs> but well okay let, let's if, put it this way then if you so score, they're if you saying that the pre- yeah go on, sorry Let's drop down to number seven and eight. They're saying that the Serie A is better than the Premier League. Uh, I would really beg well, to differ on that. They're, they're bang level, aren't they? They're both on 23 with 46, 46 points. Yeah. But then you've got, obviously, uh, down in the Austrian League, number nine, this uh, Sean Weissman, he got 30 goals, but they're but 45 points, so they're only worth a point and a half. Point and a half a goal. So is that what the, like is said, that where the points, is that where the number is afterwards? Yeah, it's points. Because like I said, I think it's to stop someone scoring, like uh, if someone scored 50 goals in the Hungarian Premier Division, is that as impressive as scoring 25 goals in the Premier League? That That's the whole, the whole idea of it. Um, but, so basically, what it's what it's actually doing in a roundabout way is favouring sure one of the top. It's making sure one of the top yeah. five leagues win it. Yeah, absolutely. It's favouring those. Well, points. not even top five because I think to win it, if you were in league and you'd probably have to score Messi and Ronaldo numbers. You'd probably, you know, you would literally have to be getting. No, not according to that, because Kylian Mbappe is number seventeen and he gets two points per goal. Yeah, but he's only seventeen. Yeah, he's only scored eighteen goals. I thought he was supposed to be amazing. He hasn't scored that many, then, has he? <laughs> but no. you get to know, so they've read the Premier League, uh, they've read Liga and the same as the Premier League. Really? Yeah, looking at this. Really? <laughs> wow. 
Mind you, I suppose any leaf that's got an orange in it gets uh, dragged down a bit, doesn't it? But I, I, it was just, it's just, I think it was the golden shoe bit that really brought me to it. And the fact that they were going, the only reason I saw it is that everybody was going on about how um, Cristiano Ronaldo could win it. And well, he's comfortably behind Ciro Mobile, uh, who's won on 35 goals. And because Lewandowski only got 34 goals. Yeah. yeah. Likewise to me, knowing how the thing works, why should Germany get two points? Because their internal Bundesliga is not that difficult. Barcelona, uh, sorry, um, Bayern have won it so many times in the last they, 10 years. It's it's their game. That, it's their, it's theirs. That might have something to do with, they've got less teams, perhaps, maybe. So they get a, they get a higher points because they've got two less, four less, four less games. To, um, per season, so that, that could be that could be the mitigating factor on that one. But I mean, Chiro Mobile has been unbelievable because uh, guy's well into his thirties and he's rolling back the years. Uh, obviously, Ronaldo, we know he's mid thirties now. I think why is he thirty five now, Ronaldo? I think so. For him to still be banging in those numbers, it's absolutely insane. It really is. Um, but I think I've. Yeah, uh, he's not going. Yeah, Chiro Mobile is going to get it, isn't he? He's, Ronaldo's not going to catch him. He needs he needs to score up five goals this in the final game to uh, to get past him. So, well, the way that Juve are playing at the minute, uh, since they've won the title, it's pretty lucky if they <laughs> do anything. Yeah, didn't they? They lost a calorie, didn't they? Yeah, they lost midweek. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They don't. I, I, they're just ticking over now, aren't they? For the um, because they've got a big game against Lyon in the uh, before they get to Lisbon, um, and I think they lost the first leg as well. Well, that's so. that's actually a question then. So they've got a big game against Lyon before they go to Lisbon, and that's on the seventh of August, I believe. So that's yeah. Actually, cons- I, don't, I, don't, I don't actually know when the yeah. Okay, so is that when the the second legs, the outstanding second legs, being played? I haven't. haven't this is, well, this is my question. You have just come back from sunny Spain mm-hmm. Very how can Real Madrid go to Manchester City um, or are footballers immune from um, any virus well I mean they are the safest aren't they because they're tested so regularly but I suppose Yeah, I mean, I a guess. bit a bit cruelty there because there is no actual logical reason why Real Madrid should come to Manchester and play the game when we know, yes, they're not bringing fans, but but we know that the cause of the outbreak in Liverpool is traced back to Atletico Madrid coming over. So I, I guess the um, I mean the only thing I could think is. If, if their coach meets them on the runway as soon as they land in Manchester, takes them straight to the ground, they play the game, they get back on the coach, get back on the plane and come, even in the kit, just don't even get changed between Manchester and Madrid. I, it would be, the, you know, so they have no contact with anybody. I, that would be the only thing. But yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. I, if, they, if they even have one positive test, that could throw the game into doubt, I'm, I guess. And it, that one is so intriguingly poised as well because City won two one in Madrid, way back in, God, February, that would have been I think, um, 
but yeah, I mean, it's it's a fair point. It is a fair point, but it would it because I mean the whole a lot of the blame for how bad it got here was the uh, Liverpool Atletico game when there were three thousand Atletico fans at Anfield, and then all of a sudden things got awfully bad. Um, so it'd be yeah, it would it would be interesting. I wonder. I wonder if there is any chance of it going to a, like a neutral venue or, or something like that. I don't know. Um, that's the one tie that I'm really looking forward to because while Barcelona and Napoli are 1-1, I would expect Barcelona to go through in that one. Even though Juve lost 1-0 in France, I would still expect them to get past Lyon. But this one, yeah, this one I, uh, I really am looking forward to. It, it, could be, it could be very, very interesting. Yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting one. As I, I, I just thought, just thought when I when I saw that they'd put the um, the restrictions in place, I can't remember, but I don't think the travel restrictions actually exempt footballers. Um, oh, it might have done actually. Do I? I think I remember reading something about that. There was definitely something about elite athletes, so maybe that that was in the that wasn't in the travel. That was in the um, that was in the opening up. They put elite athletes in there. Ah, okay. But uh, yeah, that's that's one that I need to. I haven't. I've only just only thought about it a couple of uh, days ago when I was just looking at what was going on, thinking, oh yeah, they've put Spain now, and that's going to be uh, an interesting <coughs> an interesting thing. Uh, so let's just quickly have a little search on on that one while we're we're doing because it's one of those things that could easily be overlooked by everybody um so let's have a look so according to them let's have a look elite no elite athletes do not actually apply as part of the original one so maybe if spain make them honorary they could, in theory, make them honorary diplomats. Uh, yeah, I'm... They're none of those, none of those, none of those. They could say that they're um, road haulage workers. They're all truck drivers. They're exempt. Oh no, they did. They amended it. You are correct. They have amended yeah. it to I, to I include that because did, when you said about that, it did flash up in my, my in the memory that I, I read something about it when I was seeing if but, I was exempt as a key worker. But they hadn't. They hadn't originally. That was the thing. Yeah. Well, they probably they, someone probably said, um, "What about that Real Madrid match?" And they're like, "Oh shit! Yeah, better sort something out there." <laughs> Yeah, it's it's the, it's the usual way. That's what they keep doing, and so it's actually only at the beginning of this month when they've somebody decided that, yeah, we need Madrid to come over, so we need to make sure no matter what we do that they can come and play um, with that one. So yeah, it's a, it's in it. I don't want to go too much down that because it's a complete rabbit hole, and um, depending what you believe and what you want to believe depends on the 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 reasoning you'll find you can find a decision to match whichever side of the argument you come down onto um, what yeah. we can't find to back is that Newcastle are not going to be bought by the uh, Saudi Arabia um, consortium 
Yeah, I saw you put something up about this, and it's been in, it's been in doubt for a little um, for a little bit of time, I think, because it, they put they put this bid in. Well, but it feels like months ago now, and um, it was, wasn't it? Actually, it was April. <laughs> it was April. Three hundred million quid. They agreed so with Mike Ashley in April. Um, but the thing that I that I've always heard from uh, like journalists and that who who follow takeovers or cover them in any sort of detail, they always say that if you hear about it in the press before it's happened, it ain't happening. It ain't going to happen. And the fact that this one has dragged on so long and so long and so long is, you know, it's the biggest non-surprise that it's been um, that they've pulled out. Uh, and I'm quite pleased because there are, I mean, however much you hate Mike Ashley, he ain't Saudi Arabia. So, um, you know, I, I think it would have been... We've, we've got to be careful about that, though, because they're not all that sane in uh, the United Arab Emirates either. Well, yeah, I know. And, we, you know, there are huge problems with with all that as well, with, with um, the, the clubs that, that people from that part of the world own. Um, and... I feel sorry for the for the Newcastle fans because it could have been good for a little while if if they'd come in and and spent a bit of money. But my God, if if they'd come in and then rip the club apart, you know, because you don't know what the motives are, you don't know that they're entirely honourable. See, the thing is, I I I think um, they would be in it and they would spend because it's the sovereign wealth fund. Yeah, I think they're probably coming in. They would have spent. 400, 500 million and they would have set a three-year plan that Newcastle would have made Europe in the first season, they would be finishing Champions League second season and they would win it by the third season and then they would have pulled out and allowed them to um, make the money. So unlike, um, let's say, unlike the team in Manchester that get bankrolled um, by Abu Dhabi, that's an individual who bankrolls them, not a sovereign wealth fund. So the sovereign wealth fund is doing it as an investment. And so they would have had a plan that they want to get a return on their investment, which would mean making Newcastle into a powerhouse in English football. So spending a few hundred million at first, getting through to Europe, getting through into winning the league, and then they would cut their losses and or they would cut take their profits rather and and they would move away rather the Abu Dhabi dudes are there because it's a badge to say I'm a billionaire I own a football club pretty much like the Chelsea guy who's there not because he loves Chelsea but because it's a very quick way and easy way for him to launder a lot of money yeah yeah I mean that that club in, in Manchester they, they are doing they are doing things well, off the pitch, aren't they? Because they have regenerated the whole uh, the whole area. I think it's Moss Side. It's, a lot yeah, it's there. really really yeah. nice to buy favour with people. Yeah, they yeah, do, they do that quite often with planners. Uh, they when you go in and you see this new housing development, they normally give a sweetener back to the council and a sweetener back to the community. They always say where they'll make some swings and roundabouts for some kids and they'll do a bit of road improvements. But they're only doing that because they're going to make so much money at what they do in the in the first place. And this was a way of deflecting the fact that they're spending all this money. And I think to quote. Kaz, or paraphrase uh, the Court of Arbitration for Sport, they couldn't give a shit what uh, UEFA said. They were just going to do whatever they wanted. And, yeah, I think that's been proven, but they've 
not broken any rules because UEFA don't know what a time is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, w- it could have been it could have been good for Newcastle, couldn't it? So if they'd come in and um, spruced up St James's Park and you know made the ground nice, you know, it's, it, or at uh, least just called it St James's Park again. <laughs> yeah, There's, I mean, it is a a, a perfect club to uh, for so, for some. Oligarchos want to take over, isn't it? I mean, yep. good fan base. It, yeah, other than the fact that it's not in London, um, it, but you know, huge ground, unbelievable fan base. You know, the, the noise and the passion that comes out when they're allowed in the ground. Um, you know, scored the fastest goal in the Premier League this season. Yeah, you know, fifty odd thousand that the, the stadium holds, and could probably, I. I I don't, I don't know the ground intimately, but... I, I, I think I'm just looking at the picture on the BBC. Standard. They could redevelop one of the stands to get a second tier on there. Yeah, yeah. They, you know, there would there would be scope there for the... You know, if, if someone was actually of a mind to own a football club for football reasons, as well as financial, then they're, they're an amazing club to take over. They really are. And they're, you know, a, span, a, a sleeping giant and a true potential... Contender uh, in the in the top three or four for sure, um, but it's, it's it's a risk, isn't it? You just don't. You just where are those good owners these days? I'm pretty sure that consortium wasn't going to be one of them. No, I, I I because now I know it's a sovereign wealth fund. It's not an individual. It's not one of the Saudi princes who wants to come over and show to his friends from Abu Dhabi and from Dubai that he can do the same as what they can do. Then. Yeah, it's it is the thing because it is a hotbed of football. If you think of how many thousands of people still go watch Sunderland in League One, that there is passion up there for football, and it surprises me that such a large area only has one team that's really doing well at the moment because Middlesbrough only scraped through. Um, I know they're not all in Newcastle. I'm just saying the area of the northeast. Um, that it surprises yeah. me that there isn't. That Sunderland yeah. and Middlesbrough aren't pushing because they have such a fanatical fan base and a loyal fan base is probably the thing, especially with Sunderland when you look at what they're doing. And they've got the Stadium of Lights. It's actually it's not a bad stadium. It's a nice little stadium up there. Yeah, and as you say, the, the area of the northeast in general, when you consider at the other side of the country, you know, in the northwest, and again, it, it comes up so regularly on this on this podcast. You know that. The Northwest is just crammed with with huge, huge clubs, and you just don't have that same amount. I mean, other than and some in Manchester as well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and and when you uh, you know when you look at the Northeast, it is just those three, isn't it? You know, and it's it is mad because all three of them have got Premier League potential, and Newcastle, as I said, they've got top three, top four potential with the right owner and the right backing. Sunderland could easily be regular top 10 with you know maybe going into into Europe as well and you know Middlesbrough probably this without speaking out of turn probably the smaller of the three but could still be a, a good Crystal Palace type position in the league you know low uh, uh, lower top half or you know around about maybe 9th to 12th 13th you know so he's a massive area and I don't understand why why a proper football millionaire billionaire doesn't look at these clubs because 
They seem to get screwed so often, don't they, up there? Well, especially Sunderland, anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's... Um, I'm just looking, so... Newcastle definitely are a a team of yesteryear, as it were. They did win the Intertoto Cup in two thousand and six, oh, which is their last. <laughs> well, it's their last. Is they were an outright winner as well. Um, it was um, an outright winner. There was about four winners a season at that, wasn't it? <laughs> well, not 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 this one. In the two thousand and six, they were an outright winner. Wow. Uh, okay. But I'm, I'm just looking at yeah, they've not won. They've not won the FA Cup. They actually won it. A lot. They first start of the fifties. They won it in fifty one, fifty two, and fifty five. So they were doing pretty well. They've only been champions of England four times. Last time in 20, 1927. Um So they've they've not done. They've always underperformed because I remember some cracking games that they used to play against in the nineties against the top teams. They used to be absolutely amazing games up, up there at St James's Park. They say with oh. the crowd going, and it was absolutely lovely. And say they've got. I'm just looking at another view of the stadium. They've probably got two stands that they could improve. So if they, they could, got a sugar daddy, the then 60s. it'd be great. Yeah, they could get up to mid sixty. Mid sixties, um, and I'm pretty certain they would fill it because even oh, yeah. out of all of their struggles over the last couple of seasons, they've had the crowds coming still. If only to shout at Mike Ashley, but they've had the crowds coming. And oh, Steve Bruce, yeah, <laughs> which I think's always been unfair to Steve Bruce, but it is because it, he's doing a better job than Rafa Benitez did. So, yeah, I but he's know. he's not got the suave Spanish look no, about him. No, yes, he certainly hasn't. Um, I mean, because yeah, there was talk, wasn't there, potentially Pochettino going if this takeover went through, which would, you know, that would immediately sell out the ground when fans were allowed back in as well. You know, it would guarantee you a full house every week if if you got Pochettino ball up there, um, and his coaching with that sort of budget would have, you know, would have been insane up there because um, he did wonders at Tottenham on on a Daniel Levy budget. If he, if he went up there on a fantasy football budget, it could be spectacular. I mean, it could be disastrous, but it could be spectacular. And I feel, I do feel sorry for the fans because they did, they were all torn. I mean, they just want so you know they just want Ashley out so badly that they don't really care who comes in after him. To be honest, um, but for the two or three years where they might have put in some good money, it would have been back to Keegan. Keegan era, wouldn't it, with um, Tino Aspria and David Ginola and all those sort of, it would have been unbelievable for them, I reckon. Um, so yeah, I feel sad for them. Um, I feel sad for the Premier League as well, because a vibrant, exciting Newcastle United would be an amazing addition to the top half of the Premier League. It would be fantastic. Well, it definitely would be. Just a little tidbit from Wikipedia, so we'll take that as, as, as whether or not it's true. But according to Wikipedia, Newcastle were the first club in the world to attract over one million fans for league games. Obviously not all at once, but... <laughs> wow. An average yeah. over 50,000. This was in... But this was in 1946-1947. And then the average in 47-48, the average 56,283. And that was the first club anywhere to average that in the world, which is phenomenal support up there for him. Um, yeah. But we've we've mentioned um, we've mentioned the North West, and so let's let's just go over to Manchester. 
and who gives a stuff about financial fair play when you can spend 15 million quid more than the person's worth and pick somebody up just because they're homegrown which is a good thing um and you need a new centre-back, which has been your problem, which is what the blue half of Manchester have been suffering this year, is they've not had Vincent Company at the back and it has shown, completely has shown. And so they've just gone, I think it's today it's broken, that they've bought Nathan Ake from Bournemouth for um, 41 million quid, which I think is a little bit much for somebody who's just been relegated. Yeah. Um- and not English. Yeah, now it's it's. I mean, it is strange because if anything, I thought he would have gone back to Chelsea because I think they had. I mean, obviously they spent a lot of money already and they might not be able to afford it now. But I'm pretty sure he um, they had like a forty million pound buyback for him uh, from when they sold him uh, in the in the first place to Bournemouth. But it's a it's a good signing. Uh, he's only twenty five, so. You know, you've potentially got what seven, eight, nine, even ten years if you're talking lasting. You know, in, in as long as Vincent Company did at the top level. So potentially forty million, it could be proved to be absolutely nothing. Um, you know, he's he's not got many caps for the Netherlands um, at senior level, but he's got thirteen. But he's got he's got. 60 or so but if you think who's just to just be fair to the lad if you think who's above him at the Dutch yeah. <laughs> in the Dutch pack four just, yeah you, a, you can probably see why I don't know if he's I mean without knowing exactly when he's played those games I don't know oh no looking at it here he hasn't played and five in each of the two years previous so I wondered if he might have broken in to be Virgil van Dijk's Partner, but obviously, apparently not. Um, it, it's it's a good signing, it is. But as you say, maybe that was a relegation release, you know, a, a, a clause that if they get relegated, that's what he's worth. And you know, rather than getting a bidding war, risk losing him if that's who they've identified, then then fair enough. But five foot eleven for a centre back as well, it's it's quite quite on the small side, isn't it? That for a for a centre back. <laughs> But I think nowadays, especially in the Premier League, there's getting a, there's quite a few now who are shorter than the six foot six foot two that you'd expect. Yeah, and and it will fit with Guardiola's preferred sort of style of play. Cause, you know, what he lacks in the air, he'll make up for in technical ability. I assume. I haven't I haven't seen an awful lot of him play. I'll be honest. Um, but he, he's been a Bournemouth, you what three years or so, I think, and he's he's made over a hundred appearances for them. So he, he's obviously good at what he does, apart from this season, presumably. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a great move for him. I mean, if if he gets to work with Guardiola, he will end up being brilliant. If he's already got that technical ability that Guardiola's identified, and then he works with Guardiola, even if it is only for this next year until Pep's contract runs out. It'll be, you know, it will come on leaps and bounds, um, and of course, if he does have a couple of good years and becomes really, really good in that position, then forty million is going to be a snip, isn't it? Because it's going to cost a hell of a lot more than that to get him away from there. Um, yeah, but 
But when you say that is, uh, see, the way I look at it is that um, maybe it's just because I'm so used to dealing, uh, looking at Liverpool now and how they're doing it with those that if he, say, he's signed a five-year deal now, in three or four years' time, he's not going to be worth 60 or 70 million. He's, they're not going to make any more money out of him. Um, as it was Chelsea I think Bournemouth bought him in 2017 for 23 million so they're probably happy with the 40 million they've got for him as they bought him from Chelsea um, so they're, they're happy with it and he's got reasonable stats like you say he's not the tallest but that's it's quite use, it's quite normal now um, for for the basically the, the teams and, and so just I just surprised well it didn't surprise me because I knew that City needed to replace somebody. Um, disappointed me because it was one of the things I thought Liverpool could have done with him to act as a a third string defender for us, but not for forty million quid. Um, because he also can play left back, which is something that's lacking at Liverpool, as it were. Yeah, um, I do. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Now, I think. I've just, sorry, I'm just. I think you've put in a Liverpool have put in a bid for uh, Ison Mandy who plays in Spain for Real Betis. I, I think I saw something about Liverpool putting in a bid for him. So maybe they've identified him instead. Um, I don't know what sort of bid they've put in, but if it's ten, fifteen million pounds cheaper, then you know, for a, as you say, for a, for a backup to it'd be to Gomez, I guess, wouldn't it? Because um, he, he he's had an injury hit season. Um, so you would get game time, presumably. Um, but in terms of for the club, for Bournemouth, I mean, this, this probably allows them to to, to do their squad uh, adjustments without having to use their parachute payments, which is no bad thing when you're coming down. If you can keep those parachute payments in the bank, that's always a, that's always a good position to be in. Um, and it might also allow them to, I don't know, give Callum Wilson a new contract and persuade him to stay in the Championship because I would imagine there'll be plenty of Premier League even though he had a really shit season I'm guessing there'll be a, a whole host of Premier League clubs would be desperate to get to get Callum Wilson on board for next season um, but yeah it's a, it, it's, a, it's a good signing whether he goes in as a first choice I'm trying to think who he'd be fighting with there I mean I guess he is going in as a first choice there and Man City don't, don't overspend on players, do they? I mean, they're yeah, they, yeah, they do. Well, I, but not compared to other clubs. I mean, their record signing is uh, was it Rodrigo? I think um, this defensive midfielder. I think because they paid Atletico Madrid, they paid the release clause. It's either him or Imeric uh, Laporte. I can't remember which one. I think it's Rodri. That's their. Yeah, I'm just uh, if you just give me a second. I don't don't follow them that much. No, um, it was for Rodri, yeah. Yeah, was, which was around about seventy million, I think. Sixty-two point eight million, according to the font of all knowledge. Yeah, was that pounds? Pounds, yes. Yeah. So about seventy million Probably euros. Seventy million euros. Yeah. So I mean, you know, considering the amount of money that Man City have, that's you know, it's quite reserved, really. When you you know, you look at the Shit that Barcelona have paid for double four <laughs> more than once. They've <laughs> they've got like three hundred million pound plus footballers in, and two of them have not really done well, and one of them's not even at the club. He's out on loan. So 
oh well he's back now Coutinho but I, you know I think they've gone about their transfer business really really well um, and that's why they've got such a big squad because they buy a lot of really good players instead of a lot of world class players and they coach them into world class players and that's you know that's that's what they do so I, th- I think it's a I think it's a good signing um, and it, you know it's a it's a a marker for them, I think. It'll be interesting to see who else they go for. Cause I, I think they could do with a striker. I really do, because I don't think Gabriel Jesus is up to kind of Aguero's standards, to be honest. Well, the, the other thing is, is that Aguero is getting towards the back end as well, because he's been yeah. there since 2011. Yeah, um, interestingly enough, though, is that if I asked you who is the who scored the most goals in a season for Man City, it's not Aguero, which I would have I would have immediately said it was. In a Tommy, single season? In a single season, it was Tommy Johnson in the 1928-29 season. He scored wow. 38. Yeah. Is that league goals? I don't know. I haven't, I haven't clicked on the little uh, annotation. Um, I don't know because I can't bother to go and find the fanzine that it's come from. I just found that interesting because I would have immediately said Aguero because he's synonymous with the success that Man City have had over the last 10 years. Yeah, and he, and he is their top scorer. Yeah, he's, he's got 254 goals for them. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, I, I was dubious when because they, they bought him to replace Tevez, and I I was dubious that that he was going to do because obviously watching watching Spanish football he he was good, but I never for a minute thought he would be still at City ten years later and be an absolute legend. Never thought that for a second. So you know, fair fair play to him. He, he he's been absolutely brilliant. But you know, as he says, he's um. He's got to be going into the last year of his contract now, I reckon, as well. So I, I think I think they're going to be desperate for a striker. But I, I wonder if they're going to wait another year and then maybe go and try and get Erling Haaland or someone like that. I wonder if you know, or maybe in January or or something. I wonder if they if they're going to be testing the water for him because I don't think the plan was ever for him to be at Dortmund for more than two years. So it, it would be interesting. I could see Man City being a good fit for him. Um. Uh, sorry, I'm just reading. I'm just reading Wikipedia, and I just find it amusing uh, because. Oh no, he's gone down a Wikipedia wormhole. Well, oh, no, no, because I was moving on to our next. I was moving on to our next story, and I think somebody's been having a bit of a piss take. Right. Um, because this would have been pretty big, big news, um, if James Madison, who literally. Yesterday, it was announced was going to sign an extension, so he's going to have a four new four-year deal with Leicester. If you look at his Wikipedia page, it says that today he moved to Coventry, uh, he moved to Chelsea for thirty uh, for about twenty million. Who, James Madison? Yeah, yeah, it's no way to move for that little is No, but that was moving on to my next thing. That the reason I think he signed a new deal with the club is because there was there was a Chelsea, there was a Man United sniffing around, and so to me it's nice what he's done. He's done like a Timo Werner where he signed the deal, yeah, to make sure that the club gets cash for him. Absolutely. And um, so I think it's quite mag- it's quite good of him to do this to ensure that well it, it is but he gets cash. Don't forget, we're going into a Euros year, and if he stays at Leicester, he's going to he's going to play every week. Um, 
whereas if he goes to a Man United or a, or a Chelsea, he'll be in and out of the team. So, you know, you can guarantee that he won't be at the Euros because he won't get the game time or, or the run of games that he needs where, you know, because he, he hasn't played for England yet, I don't think, has he, even though he's been in a squad or two, um, but he always seems to get overlooked. Uh, so it'll be, it'll be vital for him to, you know, he's going to play 35 out of 38 games, all all being well, he doesn't get any massive injuries. Uh, so, and obviously they have got a Europa League campaign, so he's going to have that to do as well. So I think, yeah, as you say, for for the club as well, it's great because yeah, they will get seventy, eighty million once the transfer market recovers next week, uh, next year. Sorry, he's um, the deal that he had was due to expire in twenty twenty three, according to BBC. So he's yeah, so it's only, it's only got an extra year. Yeah, but. As you say, it'll be three years on his contract, won't it, when next summer comes around, which means we're talking astronomical money, whereas if he's only got two years left, you maybe do drop down to, to the 50 million mark. So, yeah, it's, it's good on both sides. If he's enjoying being at the club, you know, he's got another year of, of putting chances on a plate for James Vardy, uh, for Jamie Vardy, James Vardy. For, you know, so, yeah, it's a, it's a no-brainer. Um why not? Because you're still going to be wanted next season. No, I'm still just laughing at whoever's hacked Wikipedia to say all this crap that he's gone to Chelsea. Obviously, it's a Chelsea fan who would like to buy James Madison. I don't think they need any more attackers, do they? They've got. Well, I think the only the only thing I think for James Madison is that he's like more of a number ten, and there's not a big market for people who play that position. And so I think because he's 23, I think really next season he needs to have a really good season with Leicester and then move on to a big, no disrespect to Leicester, move on to a big club. Well, the thing is as well, um, he didn't have a particularly great restart after lockdown. He, he, he wasn't, he'd never hit form. So I think he's only scored like nine goals this season. Yeah, and I, I don't think any of those came after the restart, so... There might not have been an awful lot of interest for him anyway. So if he's got a pay rise, then yeah, hundred and ten grand a week. So it's yeah. not to be sniffed at. Yeah, so I mean that could be forty, fifty grand more than he's on now. I've, I've you know I've no idea when his last contract was signed. So you know if he's got a hefty, a hefty pay rise, then it's a no-brainer, really, isn't it? He's clearly enjoying working with Brendan Rodgers uh, for whatever reason. Their end of season has been really poor and they've dropped out of the Champions League spots but I think if you look at Rodgers when he was at Liverpool I, I do remember a certain thing the same sort of thing happening yeah, yeah, it's, end it's of season couldn't, couldn't motivate the lads yeah it's it, it's bizarre and if it happens again next season then that'll probably be it for him but um, yeah it, as you say it's, it's good on the lad because he could have said no he could have tried to force a move but if he, you know, if he's if he's got a head on his shoulders, then he'll probably realise that he didn't have a great end to the season. He'll, he'll obviously know that the Euros are now next year, and it gives players like him and you know a few others, Phil Foden and, and players like that, an extra year to to impress. Because God knows how many friendlies there are going to be. There might not be many, so they're going to have to impress at club level to get into that squad. Because Gareth Southgate's not going to make loads of changes if he hasn't seen you in action in, in an England shirt no matter how well you're playing for your club if his preferred players are fit that he knows he can rely on 
that they're going to get called up, aren't they? So cause we're not going to have loads of friends, I don't think. I've not heard anything about international windows this this season coming, to be honest. I think I, I don't think we wanted to scare any of the club managers with that as they're already going to do a condensed normal season while we get back to being normal. And and if the predicted second wave appears, um, then all hell's going to break loose again in three, four months' time. So I think FIFA are just too busy trying to keep the infants at the top from going to prison. Yeah. I don't know whether you've seen seen that one today. I've seen uh, it posted in a group again, not because obviously in quarantine we've um, quite hectic around here. But I have, I have. Seen I literally it. only I posted it as soon as I found it because I was just reading stuff and suddenly found that uh, the the head of world football Go- governing body. Um, is uh, I can't remember what's what's his first name. Gianni, Gianni. yeah, Gianni Infantino um, <laughs> has been had pr- criminal proceedings opened by the Swiss special prosecutor over dealings with the country's attorney general, Michael Lauber, where basically the two of them are alleged to have colluded in secret meetings when there was the big um, corruption in FIFA scandal, which actually hit the press rather than the ones that don't hit the press because we know they're all corrupt. Um, and uh, so now they're opening criminal proceedings against him, which is a... Uh, <laughs> He needs to do the whole of FIFA because if you think there was a few years ago, there was the Platini things, you've had the Set Blatter things, now you've got the Infantino doing this. It's just ridiculous. They're a laughing stock because well, both, both FIFA and UEFA are, aren't they? I mean, we've yeah. we, we said before that both both organisations just need to be completely burnt to the ground and start again because it doesn't matter who comes in to replace. The person before, it, it goes deeper than that. It's 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 so ingrained in the stuffy old white guy in a suit in the boardroom that that's you know that that's just that is what FIFA and UEFA are, and it, it you know it's just just massively wrong. And it's you know the the FBI did did a great thing in their investigation, but. It needed. It evidently needed more because shock horror. FIFA president in legal scandal. Wow. What else is new? Well, he hasn't been found guilty yet. That's what's new. Um, so I'm just saying he became president in 2016 after he succeeded Sepp Blatter, who was forced to resign um, because in 2015 he was banned from all football-related activities for eight years. Later reduced to six on appeal. Um, they didn't say a lot because Infantino was a vice secretary of UEFA. Yeah, that's not known for being a bit. Sorry, sorry, he was working worked as secretary general of UEFA, and then he was elected to his post in 2019 um, of FIFA. But January this year, he's been elected to another non-corrupt organisation called the Inter- International Olympic Committee. <laughs> And they wonder why there's all these conspiracy theorists of uh, going about lizard people running the world and shit like this goes on. Yeah, and yeah, you know, what did he expect? He used to work as Secretary General of UEFA, and as they say, he's at the IOC, and uh, I mean, why do we even bother? I mean, it's never going to change, is it? It's just 
just how it is. It's just never going to change. No, it's, uh, it's uh, definitely definitely something that uh, I think needs to be looked at. But um, where can we find you out there on the internet, James? I presume you've got a bit of time now. Uh, you're back to uh, do a bit more recording of the Barcelona, not in lockdown. Um, yes and no. Uh, obviously, we're all in the house 24/7 now, so that could limit recording opportunities. But I will, I will endeavour to get to get some more done. It's business end of the season. In, in League and Champions League, so I, if anybody's uh, not uh, not up to date yet, I won't spoil what's going on. But we have a hell of a hell of a game coming up in the Champions League. Um, but yeah, if you follow me on Twitter at GamerJamesFM, I'm on Instagram under the same tag, and obviously on YouTube the same as well. So yeah, get along. It's, um, it's always fun doing that. Uh, doing football management. Yes, it, it always is. Um, you can also go and see uh, Rob because I know he's going to do. Um, he's doing his the hundredth. Is it the hundredth year celebrations for Hampton and Richmond this year? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, so they're doing. He's doing a lot of stuff there. So you can always go and follow him on Twitter at uh, Rabid Robo. Um, you can go across to the show pages. It's at wegoagainpodcast.com or over to there to Facebook and Twitter at both We Go Again Podcast. Uh, but what have you been doing? I thank you for listening.